you had no idea that uh, watching the Olympics over the last two or three days was going to be so beneficial for you just getting to church this week, right? Uh, getting in the vehicle, it kind of felt like bobsled today a little bit on the way in. And so I'm saying that so that eventually when it is time for you to leave, um, remember the point is to keep the bobsled in the middle of the track. Don't stay off the walls, all right? Stay off the walls. It was really ironic when I, I came in today, um, even my water bottle will not stand up. It's like it's bowed, on, it, it won't even stay upright. So it's just one of those days do your best to try to just be careful, and uh, thanks for making the effort to, to come out today. For five weeks, we have studied the life of a man nicknamed Barnabas. His name means son of encouragement, and we have found him to be a man who impacts lives. He is a man who makes a difference. When it's all said and done, he's not the guy that gets the most PR, but he was the guy right at the heart of it all as the church was born and began to fulfill the mission from Jesus. Today, I want to put sort of a summary on this study that we've been in for, this is our sixth week. I, I kind of want to put a summary to that, but, but more importantly, I want us to make sure that we don't just move through this study commending ourselves because we know more than most people in the world know about Barnabas. I want to make sure before we part this study that, that we really have asked the question, okay, what does this have to do with our lives? Now, we do that every week, every single week. We try to grasp the truth from God's word, and then we go, okay, now what? So, so what does that mean for us? Today, I, I just want us to make sure, and, and really particularly as it applies to us as a church. I, I almost delayed um, this message when I realized how slick it was, um, just because I, I think it has a, a sweeping you know, um, point to it as far as for us as a church corporately. And the more I thought about it, it's like, no. You know what, if you're here today, I'm not saying that there are people here today that don't care. I'm saying there are people who care about the church that couldn't get in here today because of the weather. But if you're here, you're probably pretty, pretty committed. I mean, it is likely that if you're here, you, you probably care. Because if you ever had an excuse not to be here, today would be your day. And so I, I want to unpack a few of these things. When I see Barnabas' life, there's just some summary statements that I want them to so be true of my life, and I want them to be true of the life of our church. For example, Barnabas, we know, was what I'm going to call a mission trailblazer. He was a mission trailblazer. Now here's what I mean. When we started this study in week one, we saw this circumstance where 
the gospel of the good news of Jesus had traveled some 400 miles north of Jerusalem to this place called Antioch. It, it was mostly made up of, of Gentiles. They were not Jewish people who had grown up with, with, with this faith, but they seemed to be responding to the good news of Jesus. And so the church in Jerusalem says, somebody got to go find out if what's going on in Antioch is really from God or if this is something false, and they send our man Barnabas. And I just want you to hear it again. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. That's a beautiful line. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas shows up in Antioch. Sure enough, there were already some who were putting their faith in Jesus, but he starts to connect and, and pour his life into them. And the, and the Bible says the result is a great number of people were brought to the Lord. We have no evidence that Barnabas ever permanently lived in Jerusalem again the rest of his life. When he left Jerusalem to go to Antioch, we got no evidence. Now, he goes back there from time to time for specific purposes, but we have no evidence that he ever moves back. His becomes a life on mission. And I'm telling you, this guy is a mission trailblazer. He's, he's making paths where there are no paths yet. He, he goes to Antioch. Nobody's done that yet. Right? As far as starting church there, in order for it to develop, uh, not just to Antioch, but then we're told even from Antioch, there was this day that, that they, were, they were worshiping the Lord, kind of like we're doing today, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And so the church fasted and prayed, and they laid their hands on them. It was this symbolic of, of God's power and his spirit, and the church sent them out from Antioch somewhere else. And they just began to go town to town, sharing this good news of Jesus, starting churches over and over again. Barnabas is willing to go. He's blazing a trail. The gospel's going forward. The question of his life is, how do we get to people who have not yet been confronted by the truth of a God who loves them? Barnabas was a trailblazer. When it comes to the mission of God, that's what I want to be said about my life. And that's what we want to be said about who we are as a church. That we are the people who are willing to blaze a trail. Sometimes where there are no trails, but places where people need to hear about a God who loves them. So just in a practical way today, I want us to do a little calendaring today. Some of y'all like calendaring, it's kind of hard to say, but you, you, I want us to do a little calendaring today. And I, I want to just show you, for example, the next six months, let's say, for us as a church. And some of the things that are on the table, what's on the calendar, and why they're there is represented in who Barnabas is. He's a mission trailblazer. For example, if we look at February and March of 
this year, and we're, we're in it, um, we are currently working to establish what I'm calling at this point a student outreach facility right here at this campus, Garden City. You know that last year we were able to, to start that, the vault in Harrisonville. Well, we, we really believe that it's clear God has given us favor with those things. That needs to spread out to some other places. And so right now we are evaluating. There, there, there are a couple of trailers that sit right out here on the property already. Um, how can we turn those into a place where students, for example, can come a couple of days a week after school, a place where connection can be made. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're evaluating what do we have. We, we're we're going to need some, some uh, furniture in there. We're going to need some game tables in there. I mean, you know, it's pool tables and ping pong tables and that kind of stuff. And some of you have been so gracious already to start to say, hey, we, we got a ping pong table. This will work. It, it, it'll work. And so we're gathering info. We're gathering info. What, what can we begin to put together to make that system work, and I'll, I'll explain that system a little bit more here in a minute. That's February and March. The goal is to at least have that thing ready to go in terms of what we need, both equipment and people who are ready to reach into this community towards some next generations who need to hear in a bad way, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who loves you. In April, in April, we were talking about doing our first LOL this year. Um, we mentioned this several um, months ago about doing LOLs really across all the campuses um, over, the, over the next period. It's probably gonna take us a couple of years to do that in a healthy way. And so the first one we're looking at is at the, at the Lee Summit campus. LOL for us stands for Love Out Loud. And what it is is it is all the campuses together who converge on a specific area. We, we, we canvas a neighborhood, and that's what we'll do in Lee Summit where we pick a neighborhood or two. And coming out of the spring, it'll be like, what are some projects we can do just to kind of help some folks? Um, maybe, maybe they just need some stuff done in their yard. Sometimes it can be as simple as planting some flowers. It's just what can be done, kindness, in order to make a connection. Why do we want to make the connection? Because people need to hear in a big way that there is a God who loves them. And so how better to get into your community than, than you just do some, some acts of kindness, some little things that we're all capable of doing. We end that weekend with a block party in, in that neighborhood. But the point is it's not supposed to end because the relationships that we have started on those weekends, we want to see them continue. Now you have a reason. You know somebody, an opportunity to continue a relationship, to see them, to come to know who Jesus is. From March, really all the way to July, we have mission opportunities with Taiwan. Um, all the way through that time span, there are going to be groups that are going there. Um, some folks are going to be there for, for as much as three months in, in this next um, um, stint. But, but at the end of this time frame, particularly July, there's even a group from Taiwan that's coming here. And there's going to be about 75 Taiwan students and leaders. Most of them do not know Jesus. 
You know why they're coming here? Because there are some adults on the Taiwan side who want to see these Jesus, these students hear about a Jesus who really does love them. And so they make this trip happen where they come here for a couple of weeks. They get to stay in our homes for some of those days. We're going to do a camp with them. What are we going to do? We're going to point them toward Jesus. Only God could pull off something like that where like an international mission field gets planted in our own backyard. That's what that time frame is from March to July. A chance to do some mission in a far away place, not so far away anymore, to point them toward Jesus. At the end of that also in July, we're really looking at the second LOL that we'd like to see happen in Harrisonville. Part of the reason being that those Taiwan students will be here and so they can be a part of that to see what it means to love people out loud, to see what it means to be on mission. Um, Again, we'll pick some neighborhoods, and, and the idea will be for all the church to converge on that territory. The purpose is to point them toward Jesus. There are some things I'm not putting months to. Um, For example... Um, the development of what I'm calling vault classes. This is something that has to happen all through this year. Um, Up until now, the strategy has been the first stage of the vault is to connect. It's just to build some trust. It's to see if students will come and play some pool and and you you know play a little ping pong and just connect. Can it be a place where some reputation is built that that students would want to hang out? Well, now it's time for really a second stage to kick in, and I'm I'm calling them classes for just I I don't know what else to call them. one of the things that's taken place over the last several months is there's actually a cooking class that's a part of the vault. A cooking class. Now, you would say, well, why are we teaching students to cook? Well, a lot of these students go home every day to an empty house. Empty house. So to be able to give them something practical, like how to cook something that's sort of healthy, right? And you know what? They show up like crazy to this class. Girls and boys alike. It's the weirdest thing. I never thought it would work. It worked. And so what if we can just provide class after class some life skills, some things that you know how to do, that you can begin to show a heart towards some students to say, hey, we can teach you some life skills. But, but, but in the midst of all that, who are we headed toward? We're headed toward Jesus. It's about some people that love you enough, that care for you enough, that we can, we can point you toward Jesus. We're going to use the word respect a lot in our vault-type situations. Every class that we teach, it, it, respect is going to be, because have you noticed that respect seems to be absent for the most part these days? The word respect will very quickly let you get to Jesus. The guy who said it's all about loving God and loving your neighbor. Well, if you love your neighbor, respect has to be a part of that. What, what, if, what if we bring respect back? And what if we do that, though, because there's a bigger picture. We, we want you to know the God who loves you. I'm saying we want to see this year become those kind of classes developed that many of you are capable of bringing what you know how to do. We'll work alongside of you. How do we package that? How do, how do we promote it? We'll help you as God has gifted you to do those kinds of things. 
Another thing that we pray happens this year is a church start in Togo. I've told you, I don't think this is coincident that we've raised the money. We have the pastors ready to lead the church. We know the territory. The, the, door, the problem is there is civil unrest in Togo. At a, a length of time, unlike we've seen in our 11 or so years of being there. I personally don't think that's coincidence. I don't think it's coincidence that we have an opportunity to start a church among an unchurched, an unreached people group. They, they don't know that there is a God who loves them. They do not know the good news of Jesus. I don't think that's coincidence. We got to fight through that. We got to pray through that. We got to pray that some doors will open. Now, probably this year, we're not going to be able to do the kind of family trips that we've always done to Togo. It's just probably not at that level yet that we need to do. But I'm telling you, we do have some people who are willing to get in, to get into Togo and see this happen this year. One more. We continue to pray about an LOL, a student facility, and a campus start in Lewisburg. Um, we continue to pray about that next campus that we talk about often. Um, if that were to come about this year, then we would want to see some sort of package like this come together where really we want to see a campus planted in Lewisburg, but we want to see that happen in the context of another student facility. Um, and in order to probably break some ground, wouldn't it be cool to do an LOL there where we do some serving, build some relationships, and point them toward what this is all about? That's just, actually, I said six months. I mean, really, the calendar, we just kind of went through five months plus not knowing how long it's going to take for some of this other. Why is the question, why? And the answer is because Jesus said go. He said go, always going. How, we, how do we get to people who have not yet been confronted with the truth of a God who loves you? I want to encourage you to not simply attend a church that is blazing a trail on mission. I want to encourage you to actually get on the trail. Because it is possible for you to just show up this year at a church that's blazing the trail on mission and you not actually ever get on mission with them. I want to encourage you to step on the trail. There are so many opportunities to do so. Barnabas was a mission trailblazer and that's who we want to be. Second, Barnabas was also what I call a faith developer. He was a faith developer. Um, we have seen Barnabas' story several times about growing people up in their faith. Remember in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says, So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. He is passionate about seeing these believers grow up. And the way you grow up in Jesus is to have some roots that are solid, that are deep. What does this have to do with us as a church? It has everything to do with why 
we just recently have so pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed for, for the direction study. Why did we push directions? Directions is, a, is a, about an 18-week study that, that we just recently have tried to get as many people through. We're going to do it again. Why would we do that? Here's why. Because we have so many people who are not sure if they actually have the foundations of the truth of our faith. And, and how we know that is when we start asking questions like, hey, this person just came to know Jesus. Would you be the one to, to walk them through this first year of helping them grow up? And people look back at us like, uh, I don't know if I'm the one to do that. Because I don't, I don't know if I know, I don't know if I know how to do that. That's why we did directions. That, that's what directions pushes us toward. We are called to make disciples. In other words, I'm saying this is kind of a big deal. This, this is kind of the thing that, that Jesus said we were to be about. And so what did we do? We, we tried to take a season of our church life to make sure that we are equipped to do the basic thing that Jesus called us to do, make disciples. I, I'm telling you, if you think directions is shallow, we need to do some biblical lessons on, on depth because it ain't shallow. It's not shallow. That's not how you measure depth. It, Jesus told this story one day about a guy who hears the word of God, but he doesn't do anything with it. And Jesus said that guy is like a guy who builds his house on sand. And when the storms come, there's nothing left. But, but the guy who hears the word of God and then he puts it into practice. He said, that guy is building his life, his house, on a rock. It's, it's a foundation. And when the storms come, his, his house will stand. My point is, both gentlemen sat in Bible study. Because it says they both heard the word of God. But one of them built a life that wouldn't stand because he never put it into practice. And somewhere along the way in the American church, we have lost this perspective that church is not about just us coming to get what we need to get. It's about us getting, and then it's about us giving. And once you begin to give it, once you begin to get these foundational truths, and then you begin to pour them into the lives of other people, that's when the foundation takes place. That's when the growth happens in your life. And somewhere along the line, we have made that like something that only a few people are supposed to do. And Jesus goes, no, I... Make disciples. Make disciples. It is great to study, I mean, different aspects of Scripture. And for the rest of our lives, we will be searching Scripture. We will be encouraged by Scripture. We will be corrected by Scripture. We will be overwhelmed by Scripture. But if you don't know how to do the very basic thing that Jesus called you to do, which is make disciples, then you are just gathering knowledge and not really knowing. We want you to be disciples. We want you to make disciples. 
And that's why something as simple as directions, which is just a systematic way of going, these are the foundations of our faith. And now I can sit down with this guy who just turned his heart toward Jesus, and I can start to walk this path with him, pointing him in the right direction, giving him a foundation from which to work. Right now, we're pushing life on mission. It was kind of the second phase of once we move through directions, what would be next? Well, life on mission is what's next. Why would we do life on mission? Here's why. One out of every 54 members of church leads someone to Jesus in a year. One out of 54. That means that most people in church lead one person to Jesus every 54 years. That's the numbers. One person to Jesus every 54 years. Now, if you throw in, what if that's your kid? Like, that's a good thing. Good thing your kid is learning who Jesus is. But I'm saying if you frame all that, what it means is if a person leads one more person to Jesus in their lifetime in addition to their child, they are like the extraordinary in the American church. And I'm saying somewhere along the line, we have missed. We have missed what a life on mission really looks like where, where there is this burden for people who don't know Jesus where, where I am developing relationships in everything I do for the purpose of pointing the, the opportunity to share the good news. I, I don't think this happens for a lack of opportunity because we got more pup, lost people around us now than we ever have. It's just a lack of engagement. Life on mission is about how you engage. It's how your life is meant to be lived so as to be missed. Pouring it out. By the way, if that's something that um, you're ready to take a step for this campus, next week's going to be a fun day. At the end of this time together, there's going to be a um, brunch, I think, which that's always good. There's food, all right? That's always good. Going to be kind of a brunch, a question and answer, and giving out some information and giving out some material for the next steps of what we're studying together. So, like, if maybe you're one of those folks that are like, I, I hear life teams mentioned. How does that work in the process? I hear Bible study classes mentioned. How does that work in the process? Well, next week, that's going to be laid out for you. So I'm saying it's worth sticking around next week for brunch, right? It's worth sticking around for brunch next week. Stick around, get some food, get the info, get the material, and take a next step. Take a next step for who God has called you to be. After Life on Mission, um, we're going to encourage as many as would. We're going to do a short study but I think it's going to be a crazy powerful study on worship called Holy Roar. I think it's going to be cool. We need it. We need to learn and to grow in, in the area of worship. I think that's going to be cool. And then in the summer, in the summer, you know how last year we did financial peace? Well, some of us did financial peace where we said we, we want to be better stewards of our money. Well, this year we're going to do that with time, which for a lot of people is scarier than their money. 
How do we manage our time in a way that truly reflects the greatness of our God? Because it's why some of us actually check out of the mission because we're overwhelmed regarding time. How do we do that? That's, that's going to probably be the summer. Why all that stuff? Because Barnabas knew to really be the church, you got to be a faith developer. And that's who we want to be. One more. One more. Barnabas was a leader maker. He was a leader maker. Some people are leaders. Some people are leader makers. Barnabas was both, but he was definitely a leader maker. Um, You remember the story when he was in Antioch. Um, Let's just read it first. It says in verse 25 of Acts chapter 11, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Barnabas goes to Antioch, and he's successful. He's successful. I mean, there are large numbers of people who have come to know Jesus. He's well-respected. He's got a good reputation. Um, This is the moment for Barnabas to establish himself as the prominent preacher in that part of Syria. This is his moment to be the man. He, I mean, he's the prominent preacher in that part of Syria. But instead, you know what Barnabas does? We just read it. He goes and finds an associate, an associate named Saul, who Barnabas knows is a more dynamic preacher than he is. And he still does it. Why? Because Barnabas is a leader maker. Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 12, the beginning of Acts chapter 13, two times. When Luke in the book of Acts tells the stories, this is how he starts the stories. Barnabas and Saul. Acts chapter 11, Barnabas and Saul. Acts chapter 12, Barnabas and Saul. Acts chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul. Until they get to the Isle of Cyprus, and Elymas, we're told the magician, we call him a magician, tries to turn people away from faith in Jesus. And this is how Paul addresses him. You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. Now I'm saying that's probably not how Barnabas would have said it. You know what I'm saying? It's probably not how Barnabas would have said it. But Paul's like, dude, you're, you are a child of the devil. Everything about you is deceptive, and you are never going to change. Here's my point. The, the dude, I, I think he went blind in that story if, 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 after, after Paul uh, you know, confronts him. From that point on, when Luke tells the stories, it's not Barnabas and Saul. It becomes Saul and Barnabas. And you know why that happened? Because Barnabas had a strategy. He just kept pushing the new guy forward. 
to lead. And then he did it with John Mark. Right? The millennial, remember? Couldn't, couldn't, he, he quit part of the way through the journey. Paul didn't want anything to do with him, and, and Barnabas is like, nope, I, I'm going to stay. And he did the same thing, and he just kept pushing John Mark to the front. So how are we doing with that? <laughs> how, are we, how are we doing with that? I'm about to do something at the risk of offending um, because I'm going to name names. And anytime you start naming names, you leave out names, all right? But I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's worth it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, there's no way for me to get all the names, and I'll show you why by the time I'm done here in a few minutes. But I'm going to name names. Um, I am not downplaying in what I'm about to do in any way the value and the power of leadership of our older generations. Did you hear what I just said? I am not downplaying in any way the leadership of our older generations. Thank God that you are here and that you are doing what you are doing because if you didn't, we would be an unhealthy place, okay? But what happens so many times in churches is that they don't pass it on. They never, push, they never push the next one forward. They never push the John Marks forward. They never push the, the Sauls forward. And what happens is you miss a generation, and then if you're not careful, you miss a next generation, and the next thing you know, that church's main concern is not about trailblazing a mission. It's about how do we keep the doors open. Because there's no next generations coming in. That's my purpose and what I'm about to tell you. For example, you heard me mention his name a lot last year when it came to getting the vault up and going. He's a young man named Mason Saffles. Mason's a young guy who's been around church for a long time. But... Um, in recent years in his life, um, he had a head-on collision with Jesus, and he's a Jesus follower. And, and he did a, a phenomenal job this last year in terms of helping us lead something brand new, a, a connection point with students. Um, we're praying that we can get him back this direction. Praying that that'll happen. We think we got some pull now. We think we're working some things together. Where we're, you know, but we're, we're hoping that that we want to see him keep on doing that. But you talk about a young man who can lead. He can lead. I think about a Kelsey Ford. Um, Kelsey is one of the sharpest young leaders that that I've ever known. She has a wisdom to her. She's on our leadership team for our church. Um, Kelsey's Bible study leader. I mean, she's done a ton of things, but you, you know, you saw the journey with moms promoted. You want to guess where that vision God planted and is birth? Kelsey is the one who had that, that vision from God and said, I, I think this is the next step we can do to help our moms. Kelsey. 
How about a Matt Cox? You've been blessed by that guy over the last year. He's been serving as an intern, purely pastoral intern for us. He's been involved in tons of behind-the-scenes stuff of just helping us you know, put some, put some groundwork to some of the things that need to happen. He's spoken a couple of times. He led the last equip class on hermeneutics. He's the guy that, that, that really led that seminar, if you want to call it that. Um, he and his wife, Amy, are getting ready to head to Taiwan for three months. And then from there, they're going to do some more seminary training. They're good leaders. They're really good leaders. How about a Derek Fox, a guy who leads our go team, like the mission team that, that directs like that whole effort. He, he coordinates the, like, the, the whole like Togo thing and Taiwan stuff. I mean, he's the guy that kind of helps coordinate and push people forward. Um, that, that's what he leads. He leads one of the major support teams of our church. Uh, I'm saying some of you probably don't know. How many young leaders there really are? Um, you see some of them on a stage sometime. You see a, a John Paul up here playing today. And, and uh, you think about a lot of those who've, who've been, you know, instrumental with instruments or voices over the years. Uh, uh, his sister Elizabeth or uh, a Christian Lee who plays the drums for us. Uh, Whitney who leads worship at Adrian. Um, Lane Hernandez. Um, Taylor Stryker, I have to remember. I have to get their, their, their brother and sister, but the names are different now, so I, I got to work hard to remember. But they, they, they both not only help with, with worship, but um, life team leaders for our students. In fact, Taylor is a part of a group of, of ladies who has a vision for when the student facility happens out here, they're willing to even back up further than our middle schoolers and start to say, what can we do with some of our older children even in the community to start to connect earlier? You know where that came from? Her. And some of those ladies who, who have been working that. I think about an Andrea Deal, um, who is the student coordinator for, for Adrian. She's a, she's a high school life team leader. I, life team leaders and Bible study teachers. Uh, Ashley Keeney, who's that student coordinator here. Um, also leads a life team. I think about a, a Nathan and a Bailey Wright, a, a Katie Galvin, a Annie Norse. Annie's been teaching Bible study, like feels like since she was like eight, feels like. She's been teaching Bible study, and, and, and now she's working, getting ready to do a degree from Calvary. Um, Nick and Bailey Wright, um, they both work with worship aspects, and they, they lead student life teams. And, and last year, When one of our 14-year-old young ladies lost her dad, who was the only parent in the house, Nick and Bailey brought her into their home, and she now lives with them. They're young 20s. They could do anything they wanted to. And they now have a 14-year-old that they guide and love and care for. I'm saying we got some good young leaders. We got some good young leaders who understand leadership beyond a stage. 
How about a Cherie Sutcliffe? Who for the past several years just poured her life out in Taiwan. That young lady is growing up. She, you can just see the missionary that God is just forming in her. Uh, a Hannah Gibbs, who was, who, or a uh, Liz Gibbs, who was willing to go and, and be in Taiwan for an extended period of time. She went to that women's shelter where the, where the, the unwanted pregnancies, the, the ladies were able to come and have their baby. She was the first one to go there. It was such a difficult place. She was willing. Uh, a Bailey Fiddler, who this summer is planning on doing missionary work. She's going to Taiwan. She'll be doing work in Myanmar, and hopefully we'll be able to connect her with China also. She's doing that as a part of an intern program from her college. I'm saying God just keeps connecting these young leaders and opportunities. How about a Bethany Cox? She's going to Midwestern pursuing uh, studies in, in missions. A Hannah Gibbs going to college on a missions emphasis. Anna Saffles going to college with a long-term missionary view. Even as early as the fall, she, she's going to Taiwan with, with the picture of staying. This represents Children's Church, Real 127, Nursery. These are these are 50-something more names of millennials and younger who are serving in the Heart of Life Church. I'm saying God is doing good. And some of you are doing good because you're the ones who keep pushing them forward. You keep pushing them forward. I, I, um, I asked for these kinds of lists with a little bit of hesitation because honestly, I had no idea that it was at this level. I really didn't. There was a little bit in me that was wondering how I was going to develop this sermon once I kind of found out what the leaders were and what they're serving in and where they're involved because it, it, it was like I was afraid maybe there weren't that many, but I'm saying I'm looking at this thing now and I'm going, you know what? In households, where parents have their kids engage with Heart of Life in terms of ministry, they are engaged in Heart of Life ministry. Now, if they don't engage, then, then that, that's you know, not necessarily going to happen. But, but when they are, are, are engaged in that, they are pushing forward into some leadership roles. In other words, yeah, they're going to Bible study. But they ain't building a house on sand. These young folks are building on rock because they're stepping out of their Bible study classes on mission. Barnabas was a leader maker. And apparently, we got some leader makers around here too. I want our church to be known as a leader making church. That if you are a next generation growing up here, we're going to keep pushing you forward to be who God has called you to be. We'll do Bible study classes. We'll give you some truth. We will. We'll give you the truth of who God is. We always want you growing in his word. But we're going to push you outside the class. 
leader makers. And then some of you have to turn around and become leader makers. Because eventually another generation will come up and then you'll decide, are we going to get to them? Or are we going to skip one? And then you skip one, and then you skip two, and then the mission becomes, how do we keep the doors open? God's good, isn't he? He's good. I would like to end today by calling the church to pray. And we're going to sing a song here in a second. Um, band, you guys are welcome to come on up. But before we do that, I'm going to invite you to join me if you can. If you can't, it's fine. Just stay seated if you can. I love to call God's people to our knees. That we would ask God to help us to continue to be better than we ever have before. Blazing a trail of mission. Developing faith. And pushing next leaders forward. Can we do that? Let's, let's pray together. Can we do that? Let's go to our knees. <clears throat> Just take a few minutes, if you would, start thanking God for the opportunities we've got this year to be on mission. And some of those things that I mentioned, maybe that hit your heart more than other, will you just ask God to empower his church? Ask him that he would. Whether it's a student facility or a mission trip or whatever it might be, ask God to empower his church. Then take a second and ask God to keep growing us up. Ask him, ask him to move in the hearts of his church that, that we would see the necessity of knowing how to disciple people. And that we would get those foundations and we would understand a life on mission. Pray that God would stir an urgency in us to get those opportunities to know how and then to do it. Ask him. And then pray, pray for our young leaders. Pray that we will have eyes that can see how to continue to encourage them, to push them forward. But go ahead and take a minute to thank him for what we can celebrate already. They are beautiful, thank him, thank him.
God, thank you for what we have learned in this study. But God, the true test of learning is what we do with it now. Thank you for enabling us to get it in our head. God, may it now be evidenced in our feet, in our hands, in our voice. May your church be the church that you have called us to be. We love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We can stand together. We'll sing for a little bit. We'll be right over here on the side. You need prayer today. I love you guys. God bless.